What's your favorite kind of birthday cake? Uh, like Safeway chocolate cake. Do you guys know the Safeway bakers work so hard? <laughs> and make really, like, really consistent cakes. Happy birthday to you. Here we are. We're back again for another episode of Happy Birthday, the podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joe. And together, we're... Happy birthday. <laughs> are we really doing this? Are we saying it in unison? Uh, oh. Happy birthday. Okay. We are... Happy, happy birthday, birthday, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Why have we never done that I don't before? know. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, happy birthday podcast is, as you might have guessed, a podcast all about birthdays. And today, we're going to talk about candles, one of the last concrete components of the birthday that we haven't talked about yet. That's right. We want to know what's with those tiny little fires. <laughs> and why do we huddle around these little fires with all our hopes and dreams? And then extinguish them. I know. <laughs> but before we get into it, as per usual, I want to share some birthday news. Recent research in the UK has found that one in nine Britons are skipping birthday celebrations because they don't feel like they can spare the money for them. Oh. So I thought we might just start out on a really sad, depressing note today. <laughs> um, so the findings came out of a food-related survey, um, and the results showed that almost a million UK adults use a food bank, used a food bank last year. Oh. Yeah. Paul Hackwood, who's the director of the charity, the Church Urban Fund, explained that we should consider more than just the fact that people literally feel like they can't feed their family or themselves, because obviously that at face value is the issue here. But we need to look beyond that and look at the social ramifications of that, like not, like not being able to celebrate their birthday or not being able to partake in other friends' celebrations. Mm. They don't feel like they can do those things, like the ramifications that that has on their mental health. So they're, they're isolated from social activities, and obviously that can cause all kinds of anxiety and depression. So it's a sad thing, but an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting angle to look at the issues of poverty. Through, yeah. a, through the lens of a birthday, you know? That is so important. Yeah, because imagine if you just could not afford to go to any of your friends' birthday parties mm. or have one for yourself. And I was, I was actually thinking about this, that um, how the pressure of birthdays becoming in, individualized and everyone has individual pressures of having to contribute or have their own birthday. And yeah, like I've definitely been experiencing more collective birthdays where – Everyone gets together, pulls together for the birthday event. And so cooking food or, you know, so everyone who can't participate or can't, you know, afford it or hasn't got the time can still still yeah. be part of it. Because there's, there's no pressure there. Mm. Like they can come and be there without having to, you know, splash out on a three-course meal or whatever totally, it is. Or, yeah. or buy drinks, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think oh, that's wow. really nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the birthday news. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I never think about the um, – because you're like, oh, big deal. They're not celebrating birthdays. But there is the social ramifications and not being a part of yeah. key moments in life. Exactly. And the study did say birthdays and other celebrations. Yeah. So, you know, that's Christmas. That's other friends' birthdays. Yeah. That's, you know, whatever. All holidays, really. Yeah. Just any celebration. It's, yeah. Those things are so important to, like, to build yeah. bonds between people. Very much so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, birthday news. That's a nice birthday news. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Make me feel grateful. <laughs> All right, candles, Cher. Candles. Um, interesting things. I've taken them for granted, I must admit. And they're everywhere. 
before us in the age of I don't know what you want to call the age of, but ca- candles are everywhere. Is <laughs> in, in, in every single context for every single type of celebration to relax with, to just decorate your home with weddings, for weddings, yep. for sacred rituals, also for birthdays. As we know, sometimes they're used to actually light the way and see. You know, like there is multiple purposes for them. But um, I guess they had a humble beginning, and they were used. Probably primarily <laughs> just to light the space before electricity and things like that. Yeah, purely functional. Yeah, and so it's really interesting. They've said that potentially they're dating back 5,000 years, the candle, and they've been kind of find, found loose traces into a lot of ancient sort of civilizations, and, but everyone's had a very different approach to making candles. Um, like as in all the different cultures around the yeah, world? Yeah, they use very different materials, yeah. different technologies, and obviously candles had very different roles in each sort of community. Oh, yeah, so the okay. way they evolved, you know, I mean, look, they even go as far as to say that the sort of original sort of handheld torches that they would have used in a lot of uh, ancient Egypt and other areas still count as a candle in, in some respects because it's sort of uses the same principle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... The sort of original sort of theory is that they were developed in ancient Egypt um, in these torches, which were just soaking in uh, melted animal fat, um, but they didn't have any wicks like a true candle. And I guess that's the sort of distinguishing difference is to really characterize a candle is the wick. The wick, and that's the true. way it sort of draws or... on whatever sort of medium it has. Because it's, it's varied a lot now, you know, like sort of traditionally it was either animal fats or insects or other sort of things like that. And so it's kind of evolved a long way now to use a lot of other materials that yeah. don't rely on um, killing things. Yeah, well, that's good. So so we did have the Egyptians using candles or these torches. A wick candle they started using around 3000 BC. Okay. It's a long time ago, actually. It's that's a really before long time. a lot of modern societies kicked in. Um, but... They say the Romans have been credited with the uh, actual wicked candle by dipping rolled papyrus repeatedly in melted tallow or beeswax. Okay. And the resulting candles were used to light their homes, to help travelers at night, and religious ceremonies. Um, Those Romans. It all dates back to the Romans. Yeah, they? they really just kind of... They took they took other ideas, but they really like fine-tuned them. They're just like really busy with trying to problem-solve <laughs> these busy. many things, right? <laughs> busy bodies. Uh, and so, as I mentioned before, there's been other evidence in other sort of civilizations. So, early Chinese candles are said to be molded in paper tubes using rolled rice paper for the wick and wax from indigenous insects that were combined with seeds. In Japan, candles were made from wax extracted from tree nuts, while in India, candle wax was made from boiling the fruit of a cinnamon tree. Ah. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Wait, so is that the actual cinnamon sticks? Well... The fruit. So I, I've never actually seen a cinnamon fruit. I think it's so cute that a cinnamon tree exists. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> I only know cinnamon in the way that it's like the stick rolls the up scrolly. in the stick. And is that the bark or is that? It seems like a bark. But if, that, mm. if that's what the bark is, that tree would smell incredible. Imagine walking through a field of cinnamon trees. <laughs> that's why what heaven is like. <laughs> So some of the key relationships with candles 
have been in their religious ceremonies. So Hanukkah for the Jewish Festival of Lights, um, which dates back to 165 BC. And there's lots of references in uh, biblical times. Um, Emperor Constantine was reported to call the use of candles during Easter service on the fourth in the 4th century. Now, where candles kind of start to take on more prolific uses is in the Middle Ages, where they have starting to explore other mediums and other ways to, to make candles that kind of last longer. Um, because I think the key thing is that a lot of things burn very quickly and you don't get a lot of longevity out of it. They stumbled across animal fat and that they could render animal fat into a wax-like subject to put a wick in and then use as candles. Um, and so it was animal fat and beeswax candles that were introduced in Europe around this time. The problems with animal fat is it's stank. Oh, yeah. Because you're just burning it straight away. Um, and so there was sort of exploration into different animals that you could find that would produce the least smelling uh, candle. Okay, yep. The only other alternative was beeswax. We were the only ones that could uh, burn pure and cleanly without producing a smoky flame and without the sort of pungent smell, which is kind of cool because we still use a lot of beeswax. I think that's yeah. coming back into vogue right now. So I think that was that was one preference because it actually had a sweet, sm- like sweet smell to it. Um, but tallow, which is the sort of melted down fat, they what they called, um, was also a common household candle for Europeans and... Um, there was actually a sort of a, a guild or craft that sort of emerged in England and France. So the, the candle makers or the chandelers, the chandelers. That's the people that make candles? The chandelers that light the way. Is that spelled like chandelier? Like the, yeah. Oh. Chandelers. God damn, that's a nice um, profession They name. turned that into a proper art. And so the process of um, making candles from kitchen fat saved for that purpose and so they kind of found a way to refine and melt down and collect all that sort of materials to be able to distribute candles into households. We move quickly into the colonial times. Colonial women offered America's first contribution to candle making when they discovered that boiling the grayish green berries of blueberry, sorry, bayberry bushes produced a sweet smelling wax that burned cleanly. Oh, nice. Yeah. However, it was extracting the wax from the bayberries was extremely tedious. And so while uh, that was delectably sweet and irresistible to use, it faded out very quickly. It's just too too laborious. Yeah, definitely. And it was around about this time where the growth, the growth of the whaling uh, industry in the late 18th century brought about the first major change in candle making because they realized that the wax that you can get from whales, particularly the sperm whale, um, was perfect. They have wax? Yeah. The so, whales Sorry, have wax. oil. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got really... Well, oh and it God. is... So th- there's whale oil, and there's also the wax obtained from the crystallizing... Ah, uh, so it's a wax from the crystallizing sperm whale oil. Oh, okay. I was imagining, like, waxy ears, like whale ears, mm. which would have been a crazy thing to learn <laughs> about. So just like beeswax, it actually didn't have a really bad odor um, and it was significantly brighter light. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Because yeah. um, it burned hotter, I guess. Is that maybe why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's this, this ability to burn more efficiently too. 
So an efficient yeah, burn produces a slow but really hot burn. Yeah, and and better light. So yeah, and I'll, we'll learn more about this when I tell you about the hot parts of a candle. Yep. Um, and it didn't soften in the summer like beeswax does, so it became a bit more of a preferable option because it actually could you could have it sitting around on your shelves without it just melting into a puddle of liquid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. The That's, first standardized okay. industrialized wave of candles were being produced from sperm whale uh, fat, spermacity they call it. They uh, really wanted to like perfect candles, didn't they? They really did. Sounds but like they went to a lot it, of like, trouble. Lighting is really important. It's super important. And so if you want a candle that's going to be able to sit there for hours on end and keep the place lit up at night, that becomes really important. Plus, yeah. you don't want to be buying shitloads of candles all the time. 19th century, the time where, as we know through all our many bod- birthday podcasts, industrialization rapidly advances and spreads technology. Same with candles. Okay. In the 1820s, French chemist Michel Eugène Chevreul discovered how to extract stearic acid from animal fatty acids. This led to development of stearin wax, which was hard, durable, and burned cleanly. Stearin wax has remained popular in Europe today, so it's a lasting legacy to this point. And then, in 1834, inventor Joseph Morgan helped to develop the modern-day candle industry by developing a machine that allowed for the continuous production of molded candles by using a cylinder with a movable piston to eject candles as they solidified. Ah. With the introduction of mechanized production, candles became easily affordable commodity for the masses. Once again, industrialization. Yeah. And then paraffin wax was introduced into the mid-1800s. After the chemist learned how to efficiently separate the naturally occurring waxy substance from petroleum and refine it, odorless and bluish white in color, paraffin was a boon into candle making because it burned cleanly, consistently, and was economically and was more economical to produce than any other candle fuel. Its only disadvantage was a low melting point. This was soon overcome by adding the harder stearic acid, which had become widely available. With the introduction of the light bulb in 1879, candle making began to decline. But 20th century, there was a renaissance of candles, of course. Good. Um, So candles enjoyed a renewed popularity during the first half of the 20th century when the growth of the U.S. oil and meatpacking industries brought an increase in the byproducts that had become the basic ingredients of candles, paraffin and stearic acid. The popularity of candles remained steady until the mid-1980s when interesting candles as decorative items, mood setters, and gifts began to increase notably. Candles were suddenly available in a broad array of sizes, shapes, and colors, and consumer interest in scented candles began to escalate. Oh, right. Okay. So then they became more of a luxury item, mm. not utility, of course. Yeah. And then the 1990s witnessed an unprecedented surge in the popularity of candles, and for the first time in more than a century, New types of candle waxes were being developed. In the the, 90s? In the 90s. Oh, my God. And in the US, agricultural chemists began to develop soybean wax, a softer Uh, and slower burning wax than paraffin. And on on the other side of the globe, efforts were underway to develop palm wax for the use in candles. I don't know about palm wax, but I do know that I love soy wax Mm. candles. They last for ages. Mm. Most of my candles are soy. Yeah, right. They're great. 
So it seems to be that the low melting point is very important because it means there's a, there's a slower burn, but it's more efficient, more clean. Yeah. Um, they seem to be the magic ingredients for a good candle. Yeah. For future references. Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to my friend uh, Dave yesterday and he was saying like the more yellow a flame is, the more inefficient it's burning. Okay. And so the less yellow. I mean, like I think all candles have that yellowness to it because that's just the way they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, today's candles, I think we get to sort of realize how far they've become in modern life, um, more predominantly uh, in our homes. Like, I bloody love candles. Yeah. and um, They completely change the mood of a room. They really do, Any situation, they? yeah. Um, and the, I remember reading a bit about that and how – the sort of draw allure to candles in itself and why they become a part of um, sort of spiritual ceremony is that they actually bring the environment alive through their movement and flickering and dancing. Yeah, that's so true. And so if you think about that, you come into a space, it feels kind of mystical. It's charged. Like you can't just, yeah. you can't watch a flame or even be near a flame and be aware of it without like, like your you, mind just can't be blank. Like mm. you, you make it's thought provoking. It's and... almost looking at a fire in the same way where it's sort of flickering and dancing and there's that sort of movement that you get a sense of, I don't know, I feel probably more connected rather than um, a ceiling light, which is just on. Yeah, definitely. Ceiling light does nothing for me. Just It's just on. <laughs> yeah, it's just on. It's just and nothing. then you can just turn it off. Yeah. And whereas you have to like blow out the flame, extinguish <laughs> the flame. I've... <laughs> Have you ever accidentally like blotted a candle a bit too abruptly and in tea light candles they go into a pool of liquid and just blew <sighs> wax all over myself and everywhere and was like oh, Yep. Just happened there. And the flame just erupts out. <laughs> that has happened. Mm. Which might be the perfect lead into the next segment. <gasps> There's always a perfect lead into the next segment. Uh, which n- I never managed to pull off the perfect lead in. Well it's That's usually now's you. your chance. <laughs> So speaking of blowing out candles, we all know that's what you do with birthday candles. Yeah. Right? We all know They are there to be blown out. Mm -hmm. It's super important Mm -hmm. for that to happen at a birthday Mm -hmm. party. So I wanted to talk a little bit about blowing out candles and the wish that you make when you blow them out. We have talked about wishes a little bit, Mm. so I don't want to get too in-depth because there's we've already covered a lot i mean we're very thorough so (laughs) um but i wanted to talk about this thing called a wish experiment um so there was this experiment where a kid was led to a room and there was a box in the room Mm. um the person administering the experiment would experiment would open the box and show them that it was empty um they would then ask the kid to imagine that there was something in the box Half the kids were told to imagine that there was a puppy in the box and the other half were told to imagine that there was a monster in the box. So the grown-up would say this and they'd leave the room, leave the kid with the box. All the kids that were asked to imagine a puppy went over to the box and peeked inside. And the kids that were asked to imagine the monster edged away from the box nervously and never opened it. Really? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me. I would I would definitely feel trepidatious if as a kid someone had said like, don't open that box, there's a monster in that box. <laughs> but if they're like, don't open that box, there's a puppy in that box. Yeah. I, probably, I would probably react that way as well. 
But I mean, that's like, that's how powerful the idea of wishes is to people. Wow. And it starts very young. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so when you're making the wish, obviously a crucial component of that wish coming through is blowing the candles out, right? Mm-hmm. You need to blow them all out at once for your wish to come true. Ain't going to come true if you don't do it. Yeah, exactly. But did you ever think about when you're blowing those candles out all over the dessert that everyone's about to eat, you are spraying tens of thousands, if not millions of germs all over that cake. You're dirty, dirty germs. Really? All over the cake. That's... <laughs> I like to think it's a generous gift to everyone else. Yeah, I know. I mean, you're sharing... I mean, the your illustrious biodome... All the gut bacteria totally. you've been working on your totally. whole life. <laughs> I'm proud of my bone and I would like everyone to have a piece of that. Yeah. Well, that's good, Jerry. And I don't mind imbibing of your bacteria at all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wonder what, like... So you... this all started. So there's a lot... There was a big kerfuffle on the internet about this because this this germaphobe <laughs> I can guy... can imagine. He, he posted a video or something. I can't remember. But he was complaining about this. Said that if you blew all over any other food, that wouldn't be acceptable. So why is it okay on birthdays? That kind of thing. And so, of course, a lot of media outlets were like, this is hilarious. We need to, like, interview this guy. So he ended up getting, like, quite a lot of attention. Um, And it's true. Multiple studies have found that blowing out candles on a cake does spread germs and bacteria all over the cake. And some researchers, the more germophobic among the researchers recommended that parents skip putting candles on their kid's birthday cake to avoid the spread of illness. Of course. Which, I don't, I don't know. I mean, kids are just getting sick all the time anyway. Mm. You can't, I mean, you can't trace it back to any one thing. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> and it's not like at that birthday party, if they don't eat the, like, germ-ridden birthday cake, they're almost certainly going to, like, you know, pick up a piece of cat poop off the ground and eat that like a <laughs> no! lollipop. So, like, blowing <laughs> on candles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just remind you, you also put your hand on escalator ban- like barristers, oh public transport. Public toilets? Cakes are probably going to be the, 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 the slightest minimum of your uh, concern. Definitely, yeah. Um, but that guy, so the original germaphobe guy who started this whole mm. thing, he, um, he posted a video where he demonstrated waving his hand to extinguish the candles. Instead of blowing, it looked it looks so dumb. What and if anyone ever did that, hands, imagine like... if you did that. I might imagine if you did that at your birthday. People be like, would people be like, what the fuck are you doing? Or would they just be polite and be like, oh, okay, that's just how Jerry does things. That's now. how he does things. <laughs> um, but there's another viewpoint on this, and um, according to the European Candle Association. You should never blow out a candle because the hot wax might splatter. And this applies to all kinds of candles, mm. like we just talked about. Yeah. Um, they say the best way to put out a candle is to use a candle snuffer, <laughs> which puts out the flame by depriving it of oxygen. And I, all I can think about is imagine if you whipped out a flipping candle snuffer and put out each of your birthday candles on your cake that way. It would be so weird. That's what I was like, exactly what I was thinking. Is like little tiny candle snuffers. Yeah, and it's just a re- like a really <laughs> tiny one for the tiny birthday candles. Actually, after doing this research, I put on my list of blog post ideas a DIY teeny tiny candle snuffer, <laughs> <laughs> and like decorate it really cute. Like, oh, but it has to be non flammable, so you can't use like glitter or glue. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll- <laughs> I've got like a month or business. There's a whole new industry out there now. Yeah, I know. Candle, tiny candles now. So that's what people are talking about. That's what people are worried about, Jer. Well. Very interesting. 
this feeds into my next segment. Yeah. Uh, Look at us just you feeding You spin in. me right around, baby, right around. So extinguishing candles seems to be the uh, entertainment part of a birthday sometimes. Yeah, you're You right. would imagine. It's also rich, fertile ground for records. Lots of world records. Blowing up birthday candles? Very or? novel ways of trying to extinguish oh my candles. God. And not always blowing them out, might I add. <laughs> Probably like rarely blowing them out. So our first record is the most candles extinguished in 30 seconds by a chain. A chain? A chain. Like a metal chain? A metal chain. Oh my God. <laughs> and there's very specific requirements around how this has to be done. Oh God. So from a distance of 1.2 meters, John Haddadian extinguished 12 candles measuring 20 centimetres tall and standing 20 centimetres apart on an 80 centimetre high stand with just a 12 times 7 millimetre thick and 1.1 metre long chain without touching the wax. So is he just like lowering the chain onto the flame? Is he like lassoing the flame? They didn't want to tell me. Oh my I God. to find out. They need to be specific about stuff I like know, this. I know. They're, they're just, are they're just be whipping questions. it out and... There's so, like oh, I'm just yeah. imagining someone like lassoing it around and yeah, then flicking off the tanks. Yeah. So the most candles extinguished with a single martial arts kick is fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> they kicked the flames out. Yep. They 15, kicked them out. Fifteen of them. That's what I want you to do at your birthday. I'll do the candle <laughs> snuffer or at my birthday. You need to karate okay. kick your, fl- karate your candles. Kick your flames. <laughs> <laughs> and this was done by Anthony Kelly in uh, Arnadale in New South Wales. Oh, in New South Wales. Yeah, Represent Australia. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine, like, I freaking hope he made a wish before because it's, like, way more likely, like, 100 times more likely to come true. Well, I feel like this one is deserved of probably multiple wishes in one go. So the fastest time to extinguish five candles by squirting milk from the eye <laughs> is 17 seconds by Ru Anting in China. And there is no further information about it. how did he get the milk into his eye? <laughs> okay, so I know this from other world records I've watched where people have an ability to um, ingest milk or liquid up into their sinuses, oh. then squirt it out of their eyes. So they might do it up their nose cavity and then they can redirect it into their eyes and squirt it out of their eyes. Okay, yep. Um, but holy crap. Holy crap. <laughs> that's that's the best rec- world record of this whole podcast. Well um, done. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna finish off with a couple more things. Do you like collecting candles? Um, as in like what do you mean by that? Well, like as in a collection of candlesticks. A collection. Okay, no, no, nope, <laughs> nope, not at all. Well, the answer is no. <laughs> the largest collection of candles belongs to Lam Chung Fun from Hong Kong, and consists of almost six thousand three hundred and sixty different candles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do they have to be a specific kind, or just any kind of candle? They're all different. Wow. Gosh, they're they're bulky and heavy too. Yep. That collection would take up a lot of space. Yep. He started his collection in 1980. So good on him. Good on him. Now, I'll just finish off with one more thing. The most lit candles in a mouth is 22. <gasps> oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so like they're protruding from the mouth? Yes. Jeez. 22. Do you think they're birthday size candles? They're probably pretty small. No, 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 no. They were like... Oh, like those classic taper candles? Classic red ones. You know, the sort of... Um, yep. Yeah. 22. 22. 
That would be an interesting... I want to see a photo of that. Good old Dinesh, Dinesh. from Mumbai this year. Wow. It's a, it's a recent one. Well, it's ours to break. Yep. So, yeah. Well done. Those are really good. Well done, everybody. Those are some <laughs> of the best world records I've ever heard. The karate kick one is going to stay with me forever. <laughs> because every time I'm at a birthday now, I'm just going to imagine them karate kicking the candles out. I'm going to have to practice. Them. I'm just going to have to practice. I've got two weeks to practice. It just seems so badass, like, because, you know, fire is so powerful, all-consuming, like, we really don't stand a chance <laughs> against it, but it's like, hi-ya, and you're like... <laughs> it is the ultimate, like, fuck you, fire. Yeah. I'll yeah. show you who's powerful. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. I thought that we should take a little bit of a closer look at some of the stats around the candle industry. So, overall, the candle industry generates $2.3 billion a year. Really? Yeah, so overall, candle sales are growing faster than the United States economy as a whole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not hard, but (laughs) uh, the past few years have actually seen remarkable growth and strength in the candle industry as a whole. Wow. And that might be because 58% of people consider a candle to be an appropriate birthday gift. 58%? Yeah. (laughs) And so I asked a few people about this and um, people are very divided. Like some people say that candle, uh, giving a candle as a gift is such a cop out and like thoughtless, but I actually love getting candles as gifts. Like a really nice candle and a pretty jar with like soy wax and a nice fragrance. And the fragrances out there are incredible. You can get like pine scented forest ones. Totally. And it really, it makes, it transforms your home. I love it. Definitely. Yep. And particularly when they take like a lot of care, like a lot of them come in beautiful like glass jars with yeah. beautiful designed labels on them or now. like the dark brown amber glass jars yeah, i love those they're, they're always too. expensive and hard to find but um yeah and um candle manufacturer surveys show that 96 percent of all candles are purchased by women whoa <laughs> whoa that is huge 96 percent isn't that interesting that's so many Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are probably the key stats. The key stats. Yeah. Oh, one thing I I didn't, um, I thought maybe you'd mention when you were talking about the history, but you didn't. Um, you know how you are saying they used to use all kinds of animal substances to mm. make the candles? One thing I came across was um, something called an eulishon, also known as a candlefish. It was just an entire fish. <laughs> That they would use as what? a candle because it had a high fat content. So that was one of the early candles. Isn't that cra- just a whole... So they just light the fish they and the fish... light the fish. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's not happening anymore. Can you just imagine like landing somewhere on a ship and like, all right, pulling out all these fish, lighting them on fire <laughs> and just throwing the fish aside? All I can think of is how delicious it would smell. Like frying fish, yum. Do you reckon? Yeah. One time, so one time... In a pinch, um, it was Halloween. I was in Australia. Early days, there weren't like jack-o'-lantern pumpkins on sale yet (laughs) here. And so I bought some capsicum and carved those into jack-o'-lanterns because capsicums are like little pumpkins. So I carved out the faces into little jack-o'-lanterns, put a candle inside, and then put them out at my Halloween party. And at one point, like not too long after I'd lit them, I was just like, gosh, it smells like stir-fry in here. Oh. Someone cooking, and I realized it was the candles. It was the capsicum burn, like you know, Capsicans getting nice are perfect. little char. The perfect medium to carve into. Perfect medium to carve into, oh. not the perfect medium to put a candle into. So I'm gonna finish off quickly one more thing. Okay. So 
just for everyone at home, I'm going to give you a little breakdown of the flame. Oh, yeah, 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 cool. Because there is distinct zones in which the flame is at its hottest and where it's very cold. Okay. Not cold, it's still hot, but it's just... <laughs> you said very cold. <laughs> Being very dramatic there, as always. fire, very cold. <laughs> like ice. I'm talking Antarctic <laughs> cold. And it's to do with magic. Um, so, to be very clear, we've got to think about the flame as in uh, concentric zones. Yep. So, you've got where the wick starts, and then the way it moves out to the outer edges of the flame. Yep. And so, it's the outer edges of the flame that are the hottest. So, the very tip of the candle is the hottest part of the flame. Oh, I actually would have guessed right around the wick. No. And so it's because it's the most, it's just where the most combustion happens. So that's where. Because that's where it's coming into contact with the oxygen. Exactly. All oh. the factors that come in. Oh my and God. so the, that's where most of the oxygen comes in. And so then in the middle part of the flame, it's only moderately hot because there's only partial combustion happening. And then the least hot is around the wax because that's where at the most of it's just wax and there's no oxygen in there. And so it's sort of, sort of most of it is just black vapors sort of coming out because it's oxidizing the wax. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for future references, when you're using candles to light other candles, try and aim for the top part of the flame if you can. It's a bit hard because you've got to turn the cake upside down to yeah. do it. Yeah. But anyway, future reference. But That's I why it might take... Be, I would be do, like, because, you know, I've lit a lot of candles yeah. with other candles in my day and I would normally try to get the, you know, the unlit wick Mm. right into the mid center mm. of the flame mm. thinking that's the hottest but i've been doing it wrong try and go a little bit out if you can and that sort of thing is really time sensitive when you're lighting other birthday so much candles, pressure right like it's stripping down onto the cake and oh everyone's waiting definitely. it's stressful the amount of time where i've just been like fumbling and like everyone's looking around at me and then <laughs> like i just gave up in the end and just threw my cake yeah. on the ground and like ran out crying it's not working it's not working. <laughs> i'm done i've had enough of my birthday <laughs> Everybody go home. <laughs> what are you all still doing here? <laughs> Stop looking at me. And on that note, what are you all still doing here? What are you We're still done. doing here? <laughs> Run along, you little scamps. Thanks so much for listening. That was an awesome episode. Thank you so much. And everyone out there whose birthday it might be, a hip hip hooray to you. And if it's your unbirthday, don't feel sad. No sadness. None. Because a hip hip hooray to you too. <gasps> Oh, we're together. <gasps> that was nice touch. <laughs> it's that day that comes just once a year. We are happy that you are still here. If you think you're getting old, well, honey, let the truth be told. You only have eternity to go. Time around the sun. Now's the time you have to have more fun. Kick up your heels, enjoy the ride, and let your god above just drive. Now's the time when we all have to say, Have a happy birthday. Celebrate and dance with all your might. Have a happy Happy birthday, laugh and sing and celebrate your life. You are full of love and grace, it pleases us to see your smiling face. To see you rise and be a star, we know that you 
This life is short and you have just begun So have a happy birthday Celebrate and dance with all your might